0: Welcome to the future of education.
1: And now, here's
0: your host, Michael Horn.
1: Welcome to the future of education. I'm Michael Horn, and welcome to the show where we are dedicated to building a world in which all individuals can build their passions and fulfill their human potential. And to help, us think about that very topic today. Uh, we have Luis Brito Ifado. He's one of the founders of Brave Generation Academy. Luis, it's it's great to meet you and great to have this conversation.
0: It's awesome to be here, Michael. Thank you so much. I love, yeah. I love you.
1: Oh well, thank you. I mean, look, you're coming to us from Portugal today, uh, and I want to dive right into the morning warm up because you are one of the co-founders of Brave Generation Academy. Before I give my spiel on what I think Brave Generation Academy, why don't we just go from uh, your, your, own, your own voice telling us yeah. what, what, what is the schooling network you've set up?
0: Absolutely. So we're a network of micro schools. We serve learners from sixth grade and above up to master's, actually. So we already have a university BGA for adults. We use a self-directed learning approach. So, you know, our learners can set their own goals and define the pace that they study. And we basically have three pillars, knowledge, which is the academic side, so the subjects that you sit or the bachelors that you're taking, the the curriculum that you're doing, skills, which are are the technical or soft skills that you want to develop and grow and, you know, improve about yourself, and then community, which is how to use those skills for the well-being of the community, for the well-being of those around you. This, conceptually speaking, this is our model, yeah.
1: Very cool. Well, we're going to dig more into it in a moment. But when when did you guys get started? How long have you been in operation?
0: So in, informally, we started uh, in uh, twenty twenty, late twenty twenty. Uh, but our official launch was in September of twenty twenty one in Portugal, um, with uh, with about ten hubs. Yeah, wow, ten yeah. call hubs.
1: Ten ten hubs off the off the bat. So yeah. you've been in operation then, maybe just shy of a couple of years. It sounds yeah, like officially. How many students have you served and uh,
0: how many students do you serve today, I guess? So right now we, ha- we are at about 800 students and uh, we're going to 1,000 in September. Um, most of them based in Portugal, most of them 6th grade to 12th grade, but j- already with a few with BGA for adults. And then we are in other countries. We are in South Africa, Namibia, Mozambique, Kenya, the U.S. and then in, uh, in India as well. Wow, spectrum.
1: that's quite that's quite the geographic spread. A, a, at each hub, how many students are, are at a given hub?
0: So the average is, is thirty. Uh, we or or better even, uh, you know, the, the maximum capacity is thirty. Um, two learning coaches. Some hubs go a little bit over that. Some hubs go a little bit uh, under that
1: number. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and it sounds like the micro schools are located worldwide. But I didn't realize you guys are offering a university uh, education as well. How how did you get that accredited so quickly?
0: So we we partner up with uh, universities that were already doing an online course, already had the platform, but lacked, you know, the the, the feet on the ground, lacked the hubs, lacked the learning coaches, the skills and community, just had the theoretical part part of it. So we partner with a platform that has uh, partnerships with universities such as the University of Bolton, uh, so we offer computer science, business management, um, education by Cambridge, um, and sports management as well. Those are our four bachelors. That's and then super we go through as well with, with upskilling and reskilling, but this is more for the, the labor force.
1: Uh, that's super interesting. But uh, So if I understand it correctly, basically there's a university that has an online program, and you say, let us be your brick-and-mortar hub on the ground to make to create a community around it. Let's shift into our second segment, work cycle. Start to dig a little bit deeper uh, into the, you know, what's the philosophy, if you will, behind Brave Generation Academy.
0: Yeah. So we 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 have seen, you know, and, and starting with our founder Tim, he saw that his kids there had really, really little time to experiment and to really figure out what were their passions so we started coming up with a model that would be able to create a space where learners could be themselves where learners could you know fail try understand if that's what they really like and throughout that process actually develop the skills that we talk about nowadays so much those buzzwords of 21st century skills you know flexibility adaptability setting goals and so on we believe that has that has to be done organically experimentally not with powerpoints you know Theory can support that, but they actually have to go through the struggle process. And that's how we came up with it. That's how that's our vision, you know, help learners find their passions, become motivated and and take their own initiative. Uh, It makes a ton of sense. And
1: and so it sounds like Tim experienced a struggle with his own kids. It was this in Portugal or where or where was this?
0: So to just just a little bit about Tim. Tim is a serial entrepreneur. He has no background in education. His his, uh, his parents are Portuguese, but he ra- he was raised in South Africa. Eventually, he moved up to Portugal. He had his kids in a really good international private school. And but every day, okay, how was school? It was okay. What did you learn? Same as you did. And he actually had the chance, he, Tim and his family, they do this every three or four years. They do this trip around them. You know, sometimes they did, they did like coast to coast in the U.S. They, did, uh, they went to Mongolia and Russia, to Australia. They do this big trip. So they, he has to take his kids out of school temporarily. And he, he used to take a tutor with him and his kids. And he would see that they were actually really excited about learning and they had time to do things they liked and so on. Um, and then during the pandemic, that became even more evident when they were together at home. And uh, so he saw that he saw a chance. He saw, you know, as an entrepreneur, he saw an opportunity, he saw, he saw a problem and an opportunity. So he took his two boys out. He has two boys and a little girl. Uh, he took the two boys out. They were the guinea pigs. You know, he left the girl in, in school for a little longer in case he screwed up. <laughs> but he worked, he worked
1: out fine. That's great. What's your own background to uh, join him in this? Yeah, so I'm a,
0: by by study. I'm a mechanical engineer. I studied mechanical engineering with with a major in thermal energies and renewable energies. I never like actually wanted to be an engineer. I just wanted the problem solving and the critical thinking. I was never a fan of school. Uh, I obeyed, so you know I followed the rules. But I had many discussions with my teachers about how things were done. And uh, But what really made me fall in love with education was I played rugby all my life. So I played it until I was like 21, 22. Then I stopped to go abroad for a year. And when I came back, I became a coach. And, and growing up, I was really lucky to have really good mentors and coaches uh, in, in rugby, in life generally. So I could apply that and I could give back and I could be on the other side. And I could see the impact that having a mentor and having someone trying to again, create this space, have a tool. For me, rugby was a tool to try to raise these these teenagers. I saw the impact that I could have in their lives, and that made me really, really passionate about it. Um, and that, that's how I met Tim as well, because Tim is also a really big fan of rugby. So I was coaching the under-16, and he held, his eldest son was playing under-16. So I went to play against him, his club, St. Julian's, and they, they ended up, you know, just crashing, just... Terrible loss for us. I will never forget that loss, but you know, in rugby, you always shake hands. You always have a beer afterwards. So I met Tim and from then moment on, I started following him and so on. And eventually I saw him posting about PGA whilst it was still his kids. And I quit my job within a couple of weeks and started opening the first few hubs.
1: Wow, that, that, that's quite a story. It's interesting. One of my favorite friends in the podcast and innovation world is Aiden McCullen, and he's also a uh, rugby background. Uh, maybe it's something about you all that uh, it causes you to ask good questions. But uh, tell, tell me one more thing um, before I get into curriculum questions, which is who are, like, who, who are the families and students signing up for this, right? like I mean, a thousand students in two years' time that is serious growth for a micro school network. I mean, who is. are these families jumping in? Because like co you know, COVID is behind us. Uh f- f- right. So who who are making these just choices?
0: And and on top of it, uh, this was done in a very, very conservative country, um where where we're not accredited by the government and the parents know that. So we're we're expecting that when we get accredited, that number will will probably double. But um So these people, you know, it's a wide spectrum. So we have people coming from both homeschooling, Portuguese homeschoolers, expats, um, public schooling. So we have kids coming from Portuguese public school. We have private schools. We have, we have a wide spectrum, Uh, 50, 50, in terms of international and Portuguese, at least in Portugal, that's where our majority of students are about, you know, 90% of them are in Portugal. But they're coming from every background and in terms of goals, I think what they want is for their kids just to be happy and just to have a purpose when they wake up, I think that's one of the the best things that the parent can see is just, you know, their kid just waking up with a purpose for their day. And this is what the self-directed model does for a kid, which is to take ownership over over their, their lives. And, you know, people like to have responsibility, like to have ownership. That's, That's the biggest cause of anxiety is normally lack of action. And normally you have lack of action because you don't have ownership of, over what you're doing or you lack it. And that's what we give the kids.
1: No, that makes a ton of sense and, and helpful in filling it out also. Uh, and it'll be fascinating to watch the accreditation come, I guess, and, and see that doubling. In terms, So let's switch to our third block, the specials, and, and get into the curriculum and so forth. Uh, tell us about what the curriculum you've chosen and how you move through you know, the academic knowledge, the skill building, and community.
0: Yeah. So we started with the British International Curriculum because it was a, uh, a good balance between an accredited, well-structured curriculum. You know, Cambridge, IGCS and A-levels. Every university in the world pretty much accepts it. In the US, you have the ACE Diploma, which gives you college credit, similar to the AP. Um, and it's flexible in the sense that you, you, you pretty much don't have mandatory subjects. Um, you can pick... You, whichever subjects you like. So you can do physics and you can do arts and design. For example, in Portugal, this isn't common, you know, you have to pick an area and then you stick with it and you can only do that. I actually, that hold, the- so hold
1: on. Actually, hold on one second there. I just want to make sure I pull that apart. So in, 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 in the British curriculum, the students are getting a lot of choice to say, I want to specialize in X. Whereas in Portugal, they have to do this well-rounded thing and they get less choice. Is that, is that
0: the distinction? Yeah. So for example, in Portugal, you reach the 10th grade and you have to either pick the three major areas are science and technology. And that makes you pick physics and chemistry, which is a single subject in Portugal. And then you can pick between biology and geology, or which is also a single subject or uh, geometry like this descriptive geometry, I think would be the translation, which is basically like technical drawing. Um, and then you pick economics and within economics, you have to do economics and then you pick between history or geography. Um, and then you have arts and then you have humanities, which is more focused like in law and history and so on. And then obviously you have like the core, the core subjects, which is mathematics, um, mathematics, Portuguese philosophy. You have some core subjects. Whilst in the A, A levels, you reach the 11th grade then you, you normally pick three subjects, that's the minimum. And normally you between three and four, and you can do whatever you want to do. Uh, depending on what, what you want to do after you finish high school. So if it is a university, you pick them depending on, on what university has to sit.
1: Gotcha. And is the curriculum online or who, who's, how, how, have you, um, how do you offer it to students?
0: So initially we partnered up with an existing platform, but we ended up developing most of the of, of the curriculum. So um, we hired our own, what we call them, the, the course managers who are the subject matter experts. So the learning coaches are not experts in, in any subject. They have a very diverse background. They can be engineers, they can be artists, they can be PE teachers. They're focused on teaching how to learn, not what to learn. The course managers are, t- are focused in teaching what to learn. So they're the ones developing the curriculum. Uh, then, but a really important thing to say is that for us at BGA, we see ourselves as an ecosystem where other organizations can just plug in. So, for example, we also started offering the American curriculum, which is offered by a, a charter online school from Wisconsin. And now going to Florida, we're probably going to start offering also the Florida Virtual State uh, sc- School. Um, we have some kids doing a Swedish platform. So what we want is we want to have several hats, you know, Picture a kid coming into a store. We have several hats and the, pick, the kid picks the one that fits him the best. That's how we see it.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. So walk us through a day in the life then of what that student is. You know, if, if, if I think about the course of a day or a week, what does it look like for a student?
0: Yeah. So for, for people to visualize it, our hubs tend to be in, uh, we try to put it, you know, always have these flagship hubs where they're in really nice areas of the town where the kids can just cycle there or walk there and have tons of services around because we like to leverage the resources that exist in the community. So, you know, if a kid wants to play tennis for him to go to the community, if a kid wants to do arts, to find an art studio or a music studio, and he does all of those activities in the community so that everybody wins. So our hubs are really simple spaces. Think of of like a co-working space, 1500 square feet. Uh, a, a ba- bathroom, a focus room for them to do deep sessions of work, a relax zone and little kitchen for them to, to relax and eat lunch and so on. And the rest is pretty much a collaborative space. So tables facing each other, peer-to-peer work, like a co- proper co-working space. It's open 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. 30 learners, more or less, two learning coaches. And the learners do their own schedule. So let's, let's pretend that I'm a learner. Let's say that I'm a surfer and I want to, I want to be a data scientist, for example. Okay. That's something I enjoy doing. I want to do it. So I'll, I'll come, I'll come to the hub on Monday. I'll arrive, I'll say like I will arrive maybe nine, 9am. 9 that would be my time. Uh, I will already have an appointed time to sit down with my learning coach to do my weekly meeting where I sit down with a learning coach and I present to him my plan for the week. So, I'll be showing my learning coach, okay, today I'm going to be doing this and this topic of, of history and English and maths. And um, tomorrow I'm going to be doing, you know, science or physics or whatever it is. And I, I show him the plan according to my timeline. So, we have a tool that calculates how many topics do I have to accomplish, accomplish each day in order to finish the course in time, taking into account my goals. So, everybody's going at their own pace. And we never close, by the way, we're always open throughout the year. We only close two weeks in Christmas, one week in Easter. And so I show him my, my, my weekly checklist, my plan for the week, and that embraces the academic, these goals that I was just telling you about, but also the skills and community. So for skills, it will be surf. So I will tell him that on Tuesday, I'm actually not coming in the morning because the waves are going to be really good. So I'm going to be surfing the morning, Tuesday and Thursday. Um, and then I, you know, a couple of weeks back, I actually told my learning coach that I want to be a data scientist. So he found me a job shadowing, so a person for me to go and spend a couple of hours in the company with them uh, so that I could understand what a data, a data scientist does. And I was also recommended a, a roadmap of massive online open courses to do and, and challenges that, you know, nowadays you go online, you have Google courses, you have IBM courses, you have the best company in the world offering the courses that you should be doing. So Wednesday, I'm going to be doing academics and I'm going to be doing a little bit of data science as well. And then Friday, we have a a hub activity where everybody is bringing, you know, food related to the country where they come from. So our hubs have, you know, 10 different nationalities, 15 different nationalities. So our learning coaches like to create this type of hub activities. So we're going to have a lunch, you know, a hub lunch together. And this is going to be my week. And then maybe Thursday comes and the waves change and I end up going to the hub in the morning and go surfing in the afternoon. Who knows? Gotcha. So you have that flexibility. Um, what, how, how does it
1: work if, you know, you you got 30 uh, students there, a couple of them are maybe taking the Wisconsin curriculum, the majority are doing the Cambridge or, or, uh, curriculum, a uh, few others are doing the Swedish I, like we're all doing different things right now. H- how do we get opportunities to collaborate and, and, and sort of enjoy each other's company, even though we're doing very different academic plans?
0: Yeah. So we have to go beyond the academics. So I'm going to give you a, a, a practical example. We I, Once I was in this hub uh, and I was talking to a learner um, trying to see what were her passions and so on. And firstly, she was very, she wasn't reluctant. I think she wasn't really understanding the question because she thought I was talking only about academics. So she said that she didn't really like anything special. But then I started digging in, peeling the layers, and she said, no, you know, I actually do uh, clay work. I, I work with clay, pottery. I do pottery. I said, okay, that's awesome. So I started talking about that, and eventually she did a workshop of pottery for the other kids in the hub. So she taught all of the kids to do pottery, and now in the hub they have little sculpt- sculptures of what to do it. And we do this with everything with sports with arts we always have kids that have their special talents and it's really important for them to have something that they feel that they are good at and this is this is the magical thing about not having a constrained curriculum which is everybody will have someone that, something that they'll be good at which will boost their confidence develop their social skills and so on then the learning coach the the, the learning coach will spend more time with the learner taking into account the ratio that he has that in I think it was I did this math a while ago. It was something like it's crazy. It's something like a week to three months. A week to, he'll spend more time with a learner in one week than a traditional teacher will spend. Oh in three. wow! Wow! So he would really get to know the learner. Really, really get to know really the, the basis of the performance of the learning coach is the relationship that he has with the learner. You know, understand the vulnerabilities, the goals, the strengths, the the weaknesses, and so on. And then he'll manage the hub taking that into account.
1: Very cool. So let's go into our last segment, closing time. How do you make this work economically? What are the costs? You know, h- how does this all
0: hang together? Yeah, so we're basically a profit for purpose. So we have to be sustainable because we, want, we, we don't want to be dependent on anyone else. Um, but we can make it work because it's a very, very simple model. We keep the hub at 30 kids two learning coaches and you manage hub by hub. So what ends up happening, you know, in, in for example, in the U S our fees are, uh, about $850 basis. Uh, per, a month. Per that's month. Just, okay. That's just over $10,000, uh, a year. Um, so, and, and we can make it work, uh, obviously, you know, some hubs, then we have a big scholarship. So we have about 30% of our kids are on scholarships. Um, so we, we have to, some hubs have to, to to take the hit whilst others you know balance it out uh but we're actually much cheaper than in terms of logistics it's because think of think of a big school you have the canteen you have the football field you have the labs you have such a big staff with us very 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 simple very lean and you just leverage what already exists you know we don't you don't have to build a new football field there's one next door just use it
1: yeah so that's what I was gonna ask then so so they're paying essentially for the coaches maybe the curricular access and the hub upkeep—that that 1500 square feet, but my sailing or my surfing or rugby or whatever else, right? Like that's stuff that I pay for and do outside, even though it's connected into school. Is that the way to think about it?
0: Yeah, exactly. So a a part of the activities will be paid by the learners, but we actually have a lot of, for example, workshops, and talks and all of the internships there, or the learning coaches, and we, from a central perspective, BJ Central, we are the ones finding that. So that's also a big, big part of the learner's experience that we, that we offer. Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: Super helpful. Okay. So if I'm watching this, I want to find out more. How should folks
0: do that? So www.bravegenerationacademy.com. That's our website. And um, that's the easiest way to, to go Our Instagram, same thing, YouTube channel. So we have a big documentary series that came out with, we have testimonials. Uh, we have a day in the life of a, of a learner. We have a lot of content for people to check and really, we have a video of a hub. What does a hub look like? So people will really, really be able to, to see it through their own eyes.
1: Very cool. And and so you've mentioned Florida a couple of times Sounds like you're already in Wisconsin, maybe if I'm if I'm reading it right. But only, we, only
0: with the curriculum. Only with the curriculum. Okay, we gotcha. Okay. We don't have in in Wisconsin. All right. Yes. So
1: what what what's next? Where's the vision? Where are you guys going with this in the U.S.? Where can we expect it? Uh, I suspect some states are going to be wondering, you know, families, how how, how do well, I? We
0: have, we have two ways of going about it. We have our proactive expansion, but we also have reactive in the sense of a lot of times we open hubs, and this is why we open also so aggressively is that. We have a family saying, look, i love to have a hub in my city. And we say, okay, I need 10 kids to open a hub for it to be financially sustainable. With 10 kids, we break even. So you know, help me find a space. Refer to me a learning coach so that they can go through our training program. And we open the hub. So from then, we can be opening in California, in Texas, wherever it is. Proactively, we're going to be focusing more in Florida, in South Florida. Right now, we're in Boca Raton. We want to go up to West Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and so on. So if anyone listening is, is interested in having a hub, just reach out because we're going to make it happen. And we are really, really fast in making it happen.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Hey, Luis, thank you for coming on and telling us about uh, what you all are starting at Brave Generation Academy. I mean, this, this micro school network sounds like something to keep an eye on uh, and a lot of folks are going to want to check out.
0: Thank you so much, Michael. I really, really enjoy it. Thank you for your time and uh, keep it up, eh? I'm loving yeah, it. yeah.
1: No, absolutely. And you guys keep it up. Keep reinventing schooling. Uh, and for all of you turn- tuning in, thank you uh, for joining the future of education. We'll be back next time.